Hi, I'm Bobby Matson, CEO at Pay It Off. And I'm panicked about all the partner launches we have planned over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's part of my name. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> it's one thing if I call you Newt, or if one of our guests who anti-Norwegian says Newt instead of Knut. I think anybody who's ever heard of Norway, which is in America, 20% of people, educated people, know it's a fucking hard K. You know. And so I'm driving here, and I, and I, and I click Siri, and I've always wanted Siri to be a Turkish man who smokes a lot, but I can't figure out how to find that person. <laughs> So I so Siri called my pal Canute. Like and I'm always extra hard with the K cuz I don't want Claude to come up and yeah. Snoopy and Snoop Dogg, you know, cuz I know Snoop. And um sure enough she goes, "Yeah, I'll pull up Newt." And I'm like, "That's so that's that's intolerable for a trillion dollar company." And Hello. how do you feel about that? Am I over I, I, am I overreacting on your behalf? No, I do appreciate it. So say it. you say, say you're on Siri. Yes. And you say, call Canute. And it said, yes, Canute coming right up. Would you be upset? Yeah, always. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not upset. I've heard every version of my name. And believe me, I've heard some bad ones. And did you miss me while I was gone? Of course I did. We missed each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did I text you while I was gone? Uh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking of you. <laughs> I was thinking of you. We did some texting. We did some texting. So, Newt. How how rich are you over the summer with this oil, sir? Like, is, are your checks bigger from the government? Whatever they made divided by five million—that's how much every citizen of Norway. And to today, is there a big sigh when you land in Oslo? There should be. Yeah, there should just be like a run. You know, like in New York has a thing where the it, running it jet is in, in. You should just have the how rich we're going to be, how big your check is going to be. Can you? So when you land in in, is there a Siri of Norway? That you can just look up at the sky when you're in Oslo and go, hey, what I make today, Siri? And they figure out that it's Newt. And they go, your your share divided by five million of this oil price because, you know, they killed a journalist and oil prices shot up. Is this? Is that available? Uh, Would that app Soon, work? because that is a great app. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. We've lost the script and that is the point here there is no script it is howard and canute buddies since we were in our 20s you know now we're pushing late 30s <laughs> and uh you are 60 60 you look great well thank you you do too is it my man. weird when you go home to norway and you see all your 60 year old friends and you, see, you hear everybody making noises getting up does that happen yet like i was with my sister this week it does and i don't get it and I tell you, it made me feel old being around my six-year-old sister. I'm like, she was moving. She's funny and like young. It's starting to make me remember how old I am being around old people. So I'm only going to start hanging around 30-year-old people. So you'll see less of me, Knut. That's really what I, I was getting. At. Great. You can see half of me. That's about half 30. of you. We're mid October 2022. It's a new. That's the only new thing of of Panic with Friends since my vacation. It's damn with the not saying what time of the year is. It's mid October. 2022, nothing's changed. Uh, crazy Putin, 
crazy politics in the U.S. Uh, the stock market is uh, a mess. Interest rates are on the rise. Um, it doesn't feel like, like as big a panic as in March 2020 when we started this. So I feel like we can take our time. And you know, March 2020, I was having guests on, like, what do we do? Right? right. You felt the like. This felt like something you could do. Right. This feels still like, and this is why I'm. I'm, I'm not that thrilled about the markets here. This still feels like many shoes to drop. So I'm in no rush to tell people this is the moment. And I hope I'm wrong and this is the moment because uh, I'm, I'm definitely not panicked myself. I'm more um, aggravated because I feel like there's more to come versus March 2020. I was like, guys, the end of the world is priced in already. So um, <laughs> I have a problem with that. So to break things up today, there is a big problem in the U.S., and this is the granddaddy of issues that's kind of been kicked down the can since COVID started, which is student debt. Yeah. It is, I don't know, trillions of dollars. And I don't like to throw that term around loosely. It's many apples is, is the size of this. Um, and we invest in a company called Pay It Off. Bobby's been on the show before. And we invested, I don't know. 2018, he's a Michigan guy, self-taught coder, had this problem with student debt himself, him and his wife, and built a product called Pay It Off to help people creatively, not creatively, but using code and APIs, get the best rates and, and help pay off their debt through apps hooking up to Pay It Off's. Um, fantastic service. Fantastic service. But then COVID, which is horrific in its own right, but for young Bobby and team, debt was pushed aside. Right. So, so this huge issue has had its can kicked. And, of course, there's bigger problems than an investment of social leverage uh, and, and Bobby and his team building great products that don't matter to people because no one's paying their debt back. And, of course, people don't care. If you don't have to pay it, just put it on the shelf and forget about it. But now here we are in October 2022. And as the president has said, January, everything goes back to pay. And there's just all this controversy about, um, I think they're waiving some of this debt. I haven't followed the story close enough because Bobby does this for us at Pay It Off. And Bobby updates me once a month on what I should be thinking about and, and what this means for the economy and catches me up on the company. And this is a very interesting and dangerous part of the economy. Uh, student debt did not go away. No. The problem was just brushed aside for a couple of years. During those few years, Bobby and team went and built other debt API products. But because of this, you know, revisiting and this uh, bringing of the debt back to, you know, January starting for people to pay up, uh, pay it us phone's been ringing off the hook, partnership deals, everybody's behind, has to get caught up. And Bobby and team put up this incredible calculator slash product at pay it off to help every college student figure out if they're eligible for this partial write-off. So that's the most important thing. We want people to share this podcast because Pay It Off is the company out there that stayed in the game, didn't overspend their VC money, kept things under control, kept the team building, and when the news hit a few weeks ago, launched this site to help every student figure out if they're eligible. And it's a very simple calculator at Pay It Off. And Bobby's going to walk us through that and then walk us through what Pay It Off does and how people can get in touch with them if they're running banking and fintech companies to connect to Pay It Off. So let's get Bobby on the phone. Sounds good. Bobby. 
Hello. How's it going? Good. As a seed investor who has terrible uh, tech skills, how badly did I butcher pay it off? Oh, I think you did fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did so now fine. you, let's talk about the ability for people to come to pay it off and figure out if they're eligible and then what pay it off does going forward. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I think you said it well at the top here that uh, we have, um, you know, connectivity, native connectivity into student loan servicers, as well as automated guidance once borrowers link their accounts. And then we produce actions on that guidance. And that's sort of the three steps uh, functionality that we support. And really what makes us unique is that guidance piece where we're helping borrowers understand if they are eligible for a federal program, if they should do a roundup, if they are, you know, actually going to benefit from debt relief and are eligible for the one-time cancellation that was announced a month ago. So all the products are tied to, you know, some clarity. Uh, what's pretty different, though, is that we do this all through partners. So we're, in, we're B2B. You know, lately we've had integrations that are really light. You know, we'll be doing sometimes hosted solutions. That's what we did for debt relief. We had two launches in the past hour with just that. Um, and I could talk through how partners are using us, mainly fintechs, yeah. banks, um, the top But someone banks. listening to this podcast yeah. who wants to send it out to his college student, how do they find out if they're What's the quickest way to find out if they're eligible? Well, I think, you know, if anyone in any financial app that wants to help their customers with student debt, they just, you know, we have a link that we white label to their brand, mm -hmm. uh, uses their colors, their logo. Um, and you can just send that to your users and we'll be able to help them figure it out. Uh, so, but, but someone listening who's a kid who just says, I just want to go to pay it off. Is there a way oh, yeah. for people to just figure it out right there? That's what yeah. I thought. We do have a, you know, a, a sort of self-serve portal for folks that are just like, you know, find us on Google or something and it's a borrower, but primarily we're, you know, working with through partners uh, and helping them execute on this. But yeah, there's, you know, if you go to payitoff.io, you'll be able to get the help you need or, you you know, look at our list of partners and download any, any one of those apps to get the help. And so pre-COVID, how were you thinking about the company? Like when the world came to a stop, it came to different levels of stop for, for some people, some people had to go to work. Some people didn't have mm -hmm. to go to work and certain businesses were shut down. How did it affect pay it off? Yeah. So it was an interesting moment in time because at first I was actually pretty pumped about it because you had visibility in the student loans. Like people were talking about income driven repayment plans when like nobody knew what they were before. So we were, saw a lot of visibility, kind of a spotlight on the ecosystem, which was definitely beneficial for us. What we realized, though, pretty quickly is, oh, the value prop of saving people two forty a month is, you know, not as relevant when you're making zero dollar payments every month. And they continue to sort of push that pause on payments. So it took a bit of time to kind of think through that. You know, we focused a lot on, you know, at the time we were leveraging other li uh, liabilities data sources. So say like Plaid liabilities, but the data, you know, was really affecting the product experience. So we actually spent the time and thought through it as like a giant sandbox period where we could actually build our own read-write connections through servicers. And we partnered with the Student Loan Servicing Alliance, like Scott Buchanan's literally on our cap table as an advisor. Um, we have a unique relationship there and are deeply connected with every student loan servicer. And you know, those, the, that, that's really what we focused on was building the relationships 
uh, and executing on different use cases that were uh, not just say the guidance piece. It was also you know enrolling people in federal programs, making payments. Uh, we're powering tons of workplace benefits providers today um, that offer student loan benefits, maybe tied to a five two nine or something like that. Um, we had a partner go live just yesterday, actually, Savify, who does that exact thing, uh, is using us for linking and, and payments to servicers. So, you know, we have dozens at this point of student loan use cases that are being executed on and just four launches in the past day. Uh, we're just seeing now, you know, that the it's kind of come full circle, like having that kind of stability. And uh, we're seeing lots of migrations from Plaid liabilities products of student loan use cases that need better connectivity ahead of resuming payments. Um, so, you know, we're definitely seeing the tide turn back in terms of the spotlight being on it again. Um, most bigger companies wanted to wait till payments resumed until there was clarity with that. And to that make means a serious they'll move. call you in January, like when they they'll believe it when they see it. Yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot of our commercial activity likely for the, for the, I mean, it's kind of a mix. So we, we have a top five bank in procurement right now on student loan use cases. So I, I don't think, uh, you know, the biggies are shy if they understand the value. Uh, and it's our job to demonstrate that and be a leader in this category that helps, you know, execute as best we can and prove it. Um, and that's really what we focused on is just getting the product to a place where it's full service very simple to integrate um, and just the best conversion. I think that's really what we focus on. So yeah, I think, but we will see tons of commercial activity in January. If they keep pushing it, you know, we have other debt verticals to focus on. And that's really been what, um, you know, when you say they push it a year, you know, then we're going to continue to maintain student loan use cases and that commercial activity will be even more so. Um, but this time around, we're really, the stars are not aligning in that way. Midterms coming up, people want to be past the pandemic and especially the administration um, now that they've delivered on the campaign promise. So, you know, politically speaking, this is definitely the, the firmest we've seen for clarity. And one way that we're able to see, uh, you know, this is the actual resumption is observing change requests that come from ed and work orders to servicers. Mm. And that happens through our relationships with those entities. And when we see, when we get visibility into, Hey, they're actually preparing to resume, uh, then we have more certainty that we can communicate with partners. And, you know, like this past one that got pushed, we were not convinced it was going to happen. Like there was no change requests tied to resumption. So we knew they were going to announce something. Uh, so wow. they, they to, you know, we can kind of read the tea leaves a lot better because we've done it a couple of times now. So your gut feel is, it's a go. Charlie's a go. Yeah. Barring another crazy Omicron event. Uh, that's really what kicked the can last time. But that was a real resumption. You know, the the barring like a, you know, massive macro event we have no control over. Uh, yeah, this is the this is the, the date. You were panicked about the partners that are calling, which is a good type of panic, right? You, It feels alive as a founder of a company that the phone's starting to ring again. Like you built something, you knew there was a market for it, your investors knew there was a market for it, and then you become not important for anybody. Um, what does that feel like? And, and, you know, investors have a bad rep for things like this, but this guy, Howard Lindsay, supposedly is a very calm guy and, and, and even keeled. How, how did your investors behave? And, and, and what is it like to be left alone? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it definitely took wind out of the sails. I, I got to say, I love our cap table. Like we, we have really patient investors. There were definitely tough moments that were hard to explain, especially not a year Howard. ago. Oh, yeah, not Howard. <laughs> right. there are, but it's always hard to explain certain events that you have no control over. And I think we focused in the past year a lot more on, you know, let's line up ducks that we have control over. Like we've learned a lot from this past uh, couple of years and, you know, not just from the product and execution side of things, but also, you know, just in terms of not tying company success to things you don't have control over. Um, I yeah, think, well, when did you first raise money? Uh, I, it was our first round was with you and Struck Capital and um, Lockheed Groom and a bunch of awesome angels like Io and um, Justin. And we um, that was, I think, closed like October 2019. So that was and you were you were always ago. smart. Yeah. Struck introduced us and I was like, I met you and I'm, I remember getting pitched like, or Russ Fraden introduced yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, it was Russ, I think. And, and Russ is so smart and he had done Chime and I'm like, met you and I'm like, I love this, but I was like a no. And then I met you in person and I'm like a yeah. And and that's what COVID did to me. I was like, I'm so used to like, meet. I have to meet the person, right? And mm-hmm. you were like one of the last people that we wrote a check into, or at least I wrote a check because I'm just not a Zoom guy. Mm-hmm. And... You know, meaning you was like and hearing the story and understanding your passion and domain experience about the problem and solving your own, scratching your own itch. I was excited. And I think what you did well, and this is what I, I think people lost their minds in 2020, 2021, and even still this year, still happening today because there's so much money out there, is they're not thinking through what could go wrong. They're thinking about optimizing price. And I think what you did well early is you had a great idea. It was a big market, but you didn't get greedy and you you did build a great cap table. Every time I think about it, I'm like, wow. And then in your next round, um, bringing in Lightspeed was super smart. And then you have Ashton Kutcher's team, right, as well? Yeah, that was that was a really great um, round as well. I think about a, almost about a year ago and uh, Ashton has been extremely helpful. The whole sound team is just killer. Like, amazing investors and Lightspeed, obviously a killer. Uh, and Justin had He's just- so smart. I've had him on the pod. Justin's a good friend. Yeah. Super smart. He, yeah. I think we're meeting up tomorrow. He's, he's a, uh, you know, just a key part of our story too. I mean, Justin is, is a very um, intelligent investor, but just his background at Stripe and, you know, just all the sort of BD aspects that he adds to the company is, is, is incredible. Oh, he's just very thoughtful young person who understands building business and has seen Growth. So now that you have growth potential, um, it's fun for the team because you already have you have good chops, the product, and you guys have built all the the plumbing. Um, how do you decide what goes first? Because now you got to deal with the bigger, like the more important things. What's an important partner look like here? And then how does it look on their app? Like wh- how does it play out? Yeah. So the partners, so we have like a running list right now of all the debt relief ops. Uh, you know, we have about 15 planned this month. They're a mix of credit builders that have like, you know, 3 million and 3 million borrowers on their platform. I mentioned the more traditional bank. We have a, a host of neo banks that would all be, you know, familiar to this audience. I think the, the, we can announce more of that ahead of money 2020. But I think that the um, the experience depends on you know whether how deep they want to go in integration. We started as API first. I think where the market's headed and where we've seen what customers want is to start off light. You know, start off with 
host it, something that we host, even pay it off. We do these micro sites where we'll host a solution for a particular use case and just nail it for that use case. And then we can then parlay that into uh, you know, a deeper integration or you know, maybe using some of our embeddable UI components. Um, so we you know, have found that strategy to work really well, and particularly now because we're literally the only provider you know, executing on the debt relief eligibility like there's no one else to choose to execute on it that way. So I think that really helps in this sort of white space we're in right now. Uh, it's definitely green field. But I, I, I do think, you know, if you're going to go, like we launched a couple of smaller fintechs uh, just the, in the past hour. So Chipper, who is an existing customer and then a new customer, Debbie, is, um, you know, launching eligibility for debt relief. Uh, and that's on, you know, one of them is on a hosted site that, you know, we host and, they can, it triggers a lot of our embeddable experiences and is sort of tailored messaging that ties well with their narrative as well. So I think the, the challenge for us has been making sure, I actually didn't even think about this going into more of the like pre-built white labeled hosted solutions. I think we, we call the microsites, the market sort of knows it as a white label solution. But I, um, you know, it's interesting because messaging becomes the important part. If it isn't about, mm-hmm. you know, the API integration and how great that goes, the, the, the farther you get away from, say, an API um, yeah, yeah, yeah. or like a low-code solution, if you get into this no-code space, messaging is the integration. And that's kind of one of the interesting things that people don't really talk about that much if you're in this, in this ecosystem is you know, you're still a B2B solution that's focused on the outcome for the partner and the borrower. But, you know, you're powering and hosting a lot more of that. So your messaging needs to be well tied to the partner as well. So in order for conversion to, to go really well. Um, so, you know, learning a lot of things about that because, you know, as this got announced, no one had time to integrate. They were, you know, we have a few existing partners and are embedding this. We have, a, we have like probably a couple new customers that are embedding the widget, which is always better for conversion. But, hmm. you know, we, most of our launches are going to be hosted. Got it. And so how big's the team now? Uh, about 20. I think we just brought on two more people. So at 22 now. Uh, so awesome. that'll be, we're just getting a lot of sort of borrower support resources, more internal and finding that we, uh, you know, building up the marketing team and notoriety is, is another big key moment here for us. Um, yeah, that and customer success, which is a key part of the business. So putting aside, obviously, the pandemic, because no one predicted that, and putting aside the two years that you're, you know, sidelined because no one needs to worry about paying zero dollars, so the can was kicked. Um, let's go back and, and think, what was the problem? What was the, the, what was the thing that sparked you, and, like, how did you build this? Like, what were you thinking of? Yeah, I think it comes back to clarity for the end user. Like, there's so many instances borrowers just want more details. How many people have student loans? A lot. Uh, it's like ten uh, million. Forty-six million people with student loans. Still, uh, yeah, uh, and it's the number has grown to close to one point nine trillion, including private loans. Um, Two trillion, forty-six million people. Yeah, and it's it's so it's massive. I mean, it's growing just as fast as it was, if not faster prior to the pandemic. I mean, we added 110 billion last year. This debt relief yeah. is- What's 110 billion? That's like <laughs> one Norwegian week in a while. <laughs> Easy peasy. So, so 2 trillion, 46 million growing fast. Okay, so now now it's real again. So what, what was your 
light bulb moment? Because you had students that are like, what was the, the path? We talked about before, but let's just fresh yeah. everybody up. Yeah, I mean, it was very personal. So my wife and I had six-figure student loans that kept us from starting a family and really gaining the clarity we needed to make financial decisions. And all I saw was like articles about refining and linking somewhere and nothing telling me, should I refi or should I, what am I eligible for? How do I make decisions here? And I just felt like I wanted that to be in, you know, the same place where I managed my money. I wanted to be able huh. to control and have this uh, element of um, agency about my debt. And, it, you know, at the time, it wasn't just student loans. I mean, I had credit card debt, other types of debt. I wanted to see what our options were and then execute on them um, in app. You know, it should have been at the time, my, the analogy that came to mind for me is, hey, it's really easy to buy insurance on Lemonade, but like impossible to know how to manage your debt or like have any tools for that. And right. It's really, easy to buy a, a stock on Robinhood, but it's not easy. I mean, they really, and I think Robinhood will come around. I, I don't know the product team, but I'll have to bug them. Or are they now getting, like, they're a perfect partner in this new world? Yeah. I mean, that that, that would be another example of a, a, you know, a place where people are managing their money more, you know, is a Robinhood mm-hmm. and where this, if they're attract, especially if they're attracting Gen Z or they're attracting more of a millennial audience, then this is mm-hmm. a really good fit because it's hyper critical to them. Uh, and, you mm-hmm. know, to their financial decisions and being able to invest. So I think the big use case for us is that resumption saving bar was 240 a month is really compelling. Um, and being able to and do that's that. that's the average that if they run through the process, that's about what yeah. the average is. Yeah, about half yeah. of borrowers financially benefit wow. from those programs. Big money. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of money. And so that's, that's you know, uh, a way to build wealth and a way to free up cash flow for investments and other things. So... You know, it's it's a pretty that that use case was what we went to market with uh, years ago, and it's funny because we've grown to be full service, embeddable, like all these different ways to integrate with us, with all the various partners we've already worked with. Uh, you know, and and it's amazing to see the growth in the team too through this, and it's cool to see it applied in other verticals. Like at the time, I didn't really, th- I had no idea it would get to this point. To be honest, I was just tinkering solving it for us. I had a couple other ideas for businesses I wanted to work on. And this one just stuck around because uh, I loved the problem. And I really focused on not just the end user problems, but like as an engineer, like what was the stuff that's hard for me to access or understand or grok? And, you know, it, building that abstraction was the fun part. But you weren't a coder. You were self-taught. Yeah, I was self-taught. Uh, I went to Michigan, but I was, uh, you know, I think I graduated with a yeah, business degree, started with as a music major. Uh, I would audit CS classes and things like that, but I wasn't, uh, didn't get like an engineering degree um, and built my first startup in college and more in the music tech space. And then once, and you know, was really focused at that point on, you know, le- learning a lot about company building. I, I think my first job was, you know, we fundraised a seed round, which in t- 2009 was like, 500k. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, a important experience for me to understand the dynamics there. And it, it was it was a really important experience for me, because I also realized, hey, I want to be a technical leader, uh, which is what led me to be an engineer at like Fandango and Stitch Fix, Groupon, you know, Prosper. And I, I really learned a lot. Uh, you know, over a summer, I basically taught myself to code. This is like pre-General Assembly or any of these like coding camps. So kind of had to rely on my friends and my network. And that's I, I, I was really focused on, you know, wanting to be a strong technical leader, technical CEO, 
just because I felt like if you're building software businesses, your chances of yeah. winning are a lot higher if you're it, it, it helped me. I can't believe my VCs gave me money in 2007 not being a tech, like in an era of Web 2 where it's all engineering and design. It's just, you know, I think Web 3 or Web 2 and a half or wherever we're going to have two and a quarter, it's all the same. It's just the web mm-hmm. um, can be more about business people and non-technical leaders because, you know, theoretically you can build on the blockchain and, uh, and and where where Apple isn't evil and Google isn't evil, which they are right now, you'll be able to build once and deploy everywhere instead of building for Android and building for, uh, you can be a business person, not a coder. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I think for me as an investor, I'm only back, I've only been backing engineers until this point. I feel like this new wave will be, you can back guys like a younger Howard because you know you the business matters. Yeah. So you had the 100K debt. Where are you? Have you paid that off? Have you managed to pay off? Or are you guys still carrying? Yeah, like, we still have some. So like, what did that feel like to be that young and have 100K in debt? Yeah, between uh, my wife and I, I think we were close to like 200, I believe. Oh, yeah. And it was, I think the hard part was you... Did you really understand what you were getting into? No, no idea. I mean, no right. one does. You, you barely know you have loans until you graduate. Right. I mean, we have classic war stories through our experience with it that, you know, really colored our, our financial picture. I like couldn't invest until later in my twenties. Like I, I felt pretty trapped with this debt. I know Nicole did too. And I think at the time it was very, it's an emotional debt. So it's different. You know, it's, it's not like a house where you can, you know, oh, there's some asset here. It's like your literal brain. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I well, it's it owns different. you. Like it takes over your life. It's, it can. It's, it's, it can. it's a weight. And most borrowers will ignore it or they'll be overwhelmed by it, you know, and they, what, what they need is clarity and the best next step. That's just always what they need. And they need that on a recurring basis. Clarity and the next best step. That's paid off. Now, what's the percentage of people I have over 100K? Is it 10% or is it more than that? I need to look that one up. I think the six figures, it's kind of depends on uh, after this PSLF waiver, after this debt relief uh, gets applied to see kind of at resumption where these numbers stack up. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of borrowers. Anyone basically with a graduate degree is going to rack that up if they had to take on debt. Um, there's no cap. So we typically see graduate on graduate degrees and how much you can take out. So, you know, you typically see lawyers and I mean, very common to have a lawyer or doctor. And now undergrad too, though, I mean, you're in a position right now where you get out of school and the average is like close to 35K now is the average, which when we started the business Ooh. was 27. So, you know, there's, it's, it's really just getting worse. 10% a year inflation. Yeah. So this is, this is a, a national nightmare, but they can't social, but it's really interesting. Have they started deleting the, for the people that have it? When does that start? Yeah, so that's what we're getting in front of right now is we're helping partners launch the ability to see if borrowers are eligible and then allowing them to input information that they, they can get submitted on their behalf um, so that they can get the relief. There are still details that need to be ironed out around exactly how the forgiveness application works. Um, but I think there's a really big opportunity in this moment to provide clarity on like, am I eligible I mean, there's a there's at least four lawsuits going on right now attempting to block this. So there's a ton of noise in the space. 
And all that breeds an opportunity for, for our partners and for us, because what you're looking at is a lot of, you know, attention on the problem again. Uh, and leading into January, that's going to matter a lot. I mean, we've really seen student loan use cases just really drive a lot of our product roadmap in a way that we were expecting to work on other debt verticals until this, uh, you know, in other debt use cases until this got announced because um, it just overwhelmed us commercially. So I think that's got it. that's one of those things where, <laughs> and and you always know that you're on the right track when you have your customers come to you and they say, uh, not, hey, are you going to work on this or are you going to have a way to facilitate this? Every single, almost every single partner that we worked with already was like, so when are you going to execute on this? Like, <laughs> that, was the, that was the mode. Like, when are you going to do it? There wasn't even a question in their mind that we would execute on, which I thought was really interesting to see. I didn't, had never seen that behavior from partners before where your customers are like, so when are you going to have it? And what's it going to look like? And how do we help these people? And how do we, you know, what's the business model? All those questions that, uh, you know, we, we put together in weeks time. I mean, the team really just like rallied in this really short period of time. We had a launch planned two weeks ago where they, you know, just sort of soft launching eligibility and they changed the eligibility rules after a court filing. So we had to. Oh, so, so it's still really in motion. It's in motion. Yeah. And I, I think the goal for FSA and the goal for Ed is to get as many borrowers this relief as soon as possible. And I think Got we it. are aligned in that goal. We want to help people get. And then when could those checks start going out for people that people, everybody who's, you know, send this around, but people should get themselves in line and figure out if they're eligible in, in a perfect world lawsuits you know, they're going to keep coming. When would checks start going out for people that are eligible, do you think, from the government? Yeah, they, they've signaled this month. So it's going to be in October. Oh. Yeah, that they're going to start accepting cool. applications and discharges, they said, wouldn't happen. The earliest would be October 23rd. So that's really around the corner. Um, and what's a discharge? So who are they discharging? So that's that's when we say, uh, you know, a 10K forgiven, that they consider that like a cancellation or a discharge. Oh. Um, Got it. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild right now because this isn't just a moment to like learn, like there's a couple of th- reasons why partners are opting to say, just make a play. Integrate quickly. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, one of the primary is you learn a lot about your users too, like tons of user growth opportunity and saying, Hey, I've got a hundred thousand people who I'm pretty sure have stu- student loans. Here's a link I can, they link their accounts. And now I know whether they're eligible for a refi, whether they could, um, you know, actually benefit from an income-driven plan. And like our system tells them that. So they don't have to do any work to basically have all these future opportunities for their business too that the borrowers benefit from. So, and that much of which are monetizable. Uh, So I I think this is really a great data capture moment where, you know, borrowers are getting the clarity and they're getting it for free. They can get their loans, uh, you know, discharge canceled and have a guide through the process and that is just already very valuable uh but then the businesses themselves it's like that partner with us they can look at this and say okay not only we have creating so much goodwill we have a partner that in the first like hour they had helped find half a million eligible uh for their borrowers um you know this is one of those things where you can parlay it into all these future opportunities for the business um and, you know, without having to integrate much at all. So I, I think there's just a no brainer kind of 
play here with the student loan use cases. And we're only really talking about the direct to consumer opportunities. Like we haven't even touched on the workplace, which is uh, a whole other animal. Um, you know, we're expecting regulation secure act 2.0, uh, December is likely when they would actually sign that into law We, you know, timetables on with the Senate are subject to change obviously, but that's what we're eyeing is in the new year of, you know, student loan payments in the workplace being exactly taxed like a 401k payment basically, or 401k contribution. So hang on. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, every, you know, record keeper out there, anyone who works with employers uh, and Mm -hmm. has a 401k can bolt on student loan benefits and have it be taxed basically the same way as a 401k. So if you're somebody who is, Offering. So like Gusto could just yeah. offer this. Yeah, Got Gusto it. would be like, they could just, you know, leverage ADP. our tools and then, yeah, ADP, all the payroll companies could get into it. Um, I think we're looking at- Well, platform. they will. Yeah, I mean- So I'll have to get you with Gary and Gusto. Okay. Yeah. And I think that the big thing with those, I mean, the payroll companies is one thing. I, I think there's, a, there's also, our customers are typically folks who sell to employers- uh, in the workplace, like we're, we're not working with employers directly. Uh, you know, what we focus on is, you know, not having, having channel conflict with our partners. Like we want to help them, you know, sure. offer these benefits and at resumption, mm-hmm. that's probably going to be our biggest, um, you know, one of our biggest tailwinds, uh, cause we just power a ton of platforms already in that space. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of, um, we're seeing those two tailwinds come together at the same time. Uh, so yeah, ticking up those student loan use cases again. But you know, I, I think the exciting thing is this same sort of link your accounts, get guidance, have action on that guidance. That's all important for any kind of debt. So I think being able to facilitate those interactions, uh, you know, for credit cards, uh, you know, for auto, for other types of debt that borrowers are carrying and don't have clarity on, you know, it's the same sort of product experience that uh, we're able to apply to the other debt verticals in the new year. So that's where we're going to focus a lot on. And we're, you know, it's going to be a busy year regardless, (laughs) even if they push the thing, I think it's really, we have so much in front of us right now that, uh, you know, we're really just focused on how do we just capture the opportunity because the commercial excitement is, is, is very, very present right now. Well, I'm excited to see a Money 2020 coming up where uh, we can meet with some partners. If, if it, the person, any of our, our people listening, who can they, like, who's the right person within like a neobank or a financial, is it the head of product or is it someone higher up that, that makes uh, decisions around strategy? Who's, who calls you from within the giant? Yeah, so it's typically a product team, um, head of product, um, you know, depending on the sort of size of company. We've also seen, uh, you know, it's actually interesting. A a lot of the um, sort of inbound that we've seen has been sort of high level, like C-suite, just because this is so topical that they'll say, hey, figure something out here with their team. And, you know, with with a higher scale fintech or like, you know, more what you would say are fintechs, but they're really kind of enterprisey you know, the cash apps yeah. or the, um, uh, you know, the credit karmas the, there's obviously you're dealing with partnerships more likely like product partnerships, data partnerships. Uh, yeah. so it depends on the kind of category, but 
Um, yeah. So if you're, if a lot of those folks go to money 2020, so we'll have a huge presence. There are like probably eight of us there. Um, we just brought on, um, uh, a new CRO, Jeff Hendren, who was formerly at Atomic and Quobo and Plaid. So, you know, we're going to have a big presence there. A lot of sort of announcements coming all within that week time frame. some of which are tied to this debt relief, but there's lots more uh, that we're going to be announcing. So if anyone wants to check that out, just come by our booth. We'll have demos and, you know, all sorts of different bells and whistles to share. Our, our primary focus is making sure we're sharing the data because, for us, it's like very, very com- compelling how we're converting, ha- what our funnels are looking like, how our partners are monetizing. Uh, these are the things that historically were tough to prove in this space because it takes time and it takes like ec- different executions and um, starting in fintech and building the enterprise of which we've had several clients now. So we just have a lot of data to share on the aggregate that can benefit a lot of different financial apps and financial services companies. So there's going to be a pretty big conference for us that we're investing a lot in. All right. Well, congrats. Listen, the hard part is, you know, the pit of despair, the, the neglect when, you know, there's not much you can do. So, so getting through that to a place where uh, the product is, is in demand again, I, I, I congratulate that, That's a dark hole I mean, the country went through and continues to go through this dark hole, but you're fighting your own, keeping the employees going, and and you knew that this was a problem you were solving, but the can got kicked. So it's it's a really interesting, um, whereas COVID created so many tailwinds, mm-hmm. um, this has been an obscure, weird yeah. handling uh, derivative of COVID that hasn't gone away but what is interesting, I'm sure there was a lot of venture-funded companies in this space. Well, I know there were, and everybody's kind of pivoted it away because two years is a real long time in venture IRR speak. Yep. And bright, shiny objects are what people are focused on. But you having this experience in this space is, uh, I think, key to this and understanding the how everything's connected. So kudos to you. I'm excited to see I'm excited to see it at uh, Money 2020 and it's fun to see I'm ha- I mean for all our founders we hope that the phone rings and that people love their products. So it's fun to watch. It's fun to hear uh you get through to the other side of this. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean I I I know people that use it, so I know that like the delight that the uh, it's like the oohs and ahs like the you know, because you were, it's clarity, right? It's just right. like, these are things the internet's supposed to solve um, by just typing stuff in a search bar. So this is cool. So uh, I'm excited to see you. Thanks for doing this and building Pay It Off. And uh, we'll see you at Money 2020. Yeah, excited about it. Excited to hang out in person. Um, yeah, and I, I think the other thing I do want to just say as a final thought is, you know, this is definitely, it, it's been a, tough couple years in the space for sure in terms of you know the expectations and i think there were a lot of interesting tailwinds in other markets and you know i think that's come full circle now and it's uh everyone's kind of seeing this rising interest rate environment there's consolidations in the next year that are very high uh you know on the product roadmap for a lot of different companies so i think we're in early days for the category so i'm i'm pretty pumped to see where this entire category goes you know the whole concept of automating financial decisioning is there's a there's a lot of room to run here like we're really early days of this of this uh ecosystem we sure are and you know everybody got distracted by video and by tiktok 
and by attention and by killing time and by um, e-commerce and insurance. But this this problem did not go away. So, uh, and interest rates is only going to put just some kind of stinky poison on top of this, which is just, you know, hellish for the poor people that didn't know what they were getting into. Even though you were a Michigan grad, you didn't really know what you were getting into. All right. So let's get to work. Uh, I'll see you next week. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Okay, Bobby. Cheers. K-Nut. Yes, sir. Debt. Did you have debt at ASU? Yes, I did. You did? Yeah, but I, I borrowed money from the Norwegian uh, loan system, which... Uh, <laughs> which, uh, which is, what does that even mean? Which, which is not... Well, the, the deal is that they don't really have enough spaces, places in universities and stuff for people oh, to so go to school. Oh, so they pay to leave? Well, no, yeah, because university is free. I mean, the, there's oh, no, true, tuition, in Norway. no tuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even as a foreigner, you can go there and get no tuition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you pay for everything else. But so to help the kids out that want to go abroad, they pay a, a scholarship and a loan. And that loan doesn't start, the, the interest doesn't start ticking until the day you graduate. I mean, you can go to school for so seven years. What did you years. graduate with after seven years in Arizona well, State? Actually, you did how many years at ASU? It was actually five years total. Uh, at three, ASU. three years undergrad, two years grad And what school. about rehab? Rehab, hey. that doesn't count in that money now. Because you had just as many years in rehab. Yeah, now speak for nobody yourself. Speak could, for yourself. Nobody could polish him off like the K-nut. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you were tall, pound for pound. You, you had more space. I have a long stomach. So, so what was your what was the de- what was your Norwegian student debt? You know, I can't really remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't. It, it was probably somewhere around thirty to forty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety dollars. Oh, so you had real it was, debt. It was it was real debt. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, got it. So, uh, well, anyways, you were listening to Panic with Friends, uh, Knut and I, while we're in our late stages of life, our, our, our senior years, <laughs> are talking about <laughs> trends. And trends are different to us because two years is big. Two, we don't look past, we don't buy milk anymore, Knut and I. So it's two old farts talking about uh, money, <laughs> making money off trends, getting a little further ahead than the average Joe uh, with 100 can student debt. Suckers. So uh, we talked to founders, entrepreneurs, traders, venture capitalists, and we just try and peer around corners. You can uh, search my name, Howard Lindzen. You can search Panic with Friends and go to Apple, iTunes. Is it iTunes? You can go to the, you yeah. know, the iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and we have our podcast, Panic with Friends. Subscribe, and you won't have to worry. Every week, you will get an alert with a new podcast. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Knut. You're welcome. And we will see everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.